everyone, and welcome to Or Something. It's the podcast where we uh, each come and tell each other a story about uh, the origins of something or something. <laughs> I don't know. We're just doing whatever we want. We're talking about whatever we want. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm Kristen, and this is Carla. Hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how's it going? Do we want to have like preamble beforehand or do we just want to get right into yes, it? Yes, we do. I do. <laughs> okay. Except, oh, great. My notes are on my phone, which I don't want to grab right now. Okay. <laughs> Last time we were talking about the um, mac and cheese yeah. thing. And I was like, okay, so when was powdered cheese Cause, right, created? We, we, yeah. Yeah. And it sounded like um, it was kind of like, Around the same time as just original mac and cheese because of the whole, um, like, I think it had to do with <laughs> my fine research. No, but uh, <laughs> like the war rations kind of thing. So they wanted yeah. to have like dehydrated stuff. Oh, okay. Right. So then there's. Because it did I happen around down. that time, I think, right? Yeah. 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 So it's basically, you know, it coincided with the whole dehydration, like food craze or whatever the heck like <laughs> crazy well, like now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just like a commonplace thing hey yeah so like, i thought okay yeah orange cheese did exist cheese powder i should say yeah mm. also i think but, the funny yeah. thing that we need to mention about your stuff that you talked about because you had mm -hmm. you sent me a, a message like like I don't know, a couple hours after we finished recording right. last week, about your geek thing that there's some kind of movie or something. Was it a movie yeah. or so? Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. He has a new movie, which he said it's his. I think his first movie that isn't doesn't or um, have like a supernatural element to it, oh, which is intriguing. That yeah, it's based on a book. I forgot by who. Ah, research is my finest strength. <laughs> Um, <laughs> hey, people aren't coming here for accuracy. <laughs> Good, because that's they better not, not be happen. anyway. <laughs> yeah, especially based on my research today. Anyway, no, it's called Nightmare Alley, and um, I I looked up the synopsis. Yeah, on Wikipedia, it's just the original story, the book that it's based on, and right away they start describing like the you know the freak show kind of geeks and that. It was, like, in the story specifically, they, I don't want to give anything away, but, like, they do talk about the geeks and how. And how they had to, like, kill animals or whatever, right? Yeah, how they convinced yeah. basically, like, really, like, down and out people to, you know, rely on them so much, like, to get paid, basically to, like, um, enable their alcohol problem, uh, right? okay, okay. And... I really should have just read the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's like such funny timing that you talked about that. And that like blew my mind so much that that's yeah. where that term started. And that it started with a bunch of ineptitude, you know, like just the people who couldn't do anything else. And just the desperate kind of like homeless be, like drunkards basically yeah because that's not at all for. the connotation with that word no. now at all like it is so far from that <laughs> although There's geeks in the basement eating yeah. bats right now <laughs> what <laughs> look up from the computer there probably like... are there probably is a group of geeks that is like hardcore into living the life of the original geek yeah. i bet you you're out there hey everybody 
Tell, we let us you. know. We, we see, see you. you. We feel you. <laughs> I don't we have support any you or do to we? give you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please and don't I, hurt animals. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Well, do you do you want to go first this week or do you want me to go first? I do want to go first. Okay. Okay. Do it then. That doesn't mean that I'm more prepared. I think I'm even <laughs> less prepared this week. <laughs> because I forgot to do half of my research. I woke up this morning. I'm like, yeah. I'm so excited. And I'm like, oh my God. I didn't research. <laughs> so for the love Did of... Did you this look is at more painful. than one um, article on the internet? I looked at many. Okay, well then you're Most fine. of them in the last <laughs> half an hour. So everybody Good, enjoy. So it's fresh. <laughs> is it fresh? Okay, so you forgot. Oh, if I'm ever talking too loud, just let me know. All right, so <laughs> yesterday I was uh, cleaning about like six thousand pounds of parsley that I had to like dig out of the garden. I didn't know that parsley can just stay in the ground until basically winter and be totally fine. Really? No, I found that out after I dug out a whole row of parsley. <laughs> and. Can I just say the smell of parsley? It's just too much when you have to like trim it. Because what I do is I wash it all, soak it, right? And then mm -hmm. trim it and throw it in the freezer. Okay, yeah. Right? It's perfect. It's great. But it smells so strong. And so it's kind of like, you know, the um, aversion people have to cilantro. How yes, it's like, I, I hate soap cilantro. Yeah, disgusting. but parsley, like it's okay. Like I like the smell of it. But when it's just in abundance, it's kind of like it just assaults your nose and you're like i'm gonna kill myself anyway <laughs> which is crazy because parsley mm. is like the most nondescript like i i do mm. know the smell of it but it takes quite a bit of it to actually smell anything right like, right and, and this, to have a taste like snipping with scissors like just you know over and over and over and over, over again yeah the whole kitchen just reeked of parsley <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> kill me it's too much but and then um i for dinner that day, I was like lazy, so I'm like, I'll just have some cucumbers and just have a bag garden of parsley. <laughs> <laughs> garden cucumbers, thank you, not parsley. Mm. Um, yeah, but they were bitter, and it just and so I today I'm going to talk about bitter cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what I'm wondering is. Does the parsley have anything to do with this, or that no. was just your intro? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just the fact that I had. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was no. like gearing myself up. I'm like, I want to learn know. about parsley. No, we're talking about No, it does in the sense that I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah, duh. So I was like, we took the last of the cukes as well, right? Gathered okay. our onions. Like it was the whole thing. Like mm -hmm. you know, kind of end of season thing can I stop moving have I not learned my lesson no you're fine but um <laughs> so anyway I also got cucumbers I ate a bitter one and I was like okay what's going on so my question at the time while I was cleaning parsley so yeah it does kind of have something to do with it <laughs> was <laughs> I'll never forget the day <laughs> cleaning parsley looking out the window um when I asked why on earth, did, like, how did we ever decide to cultivate cucumbers if they were, if, or, and were they bitter originally? So was the original cucumber plant that we mm -hmm. like found in the wild or whatever, um, was it bitter? And if it was bitter, why on earth did we keep eating it? Because humans generally, I thought, 
avoided bitter food because like say because i before an indication of like that could be poisonous or something that's right yeah so like with mushrooms for example like if you take um because i sound like such a weirdo like i have farm food and i forage for mushrooms but it's not not weird really like that anyway i do those things but it also is (laughs) (laughs) yeah right it's kind of like (laughs) but i'm not like it's like i am but i'm not it's one specific mushroom but anyway um when you pick mushrooms you can take a bit of the flesh and just put it on your tongue and if it's bitter then it's not really not necessarily like you know one you want to okay might use some mushrooms i'm sure are bitter like that and if you cook the heck out of them for 17 hours they're fine to eat like even the ones that um my mom eats because i don't like wild mushrooms i pick them but i don't eat them Mm -hmm. um they uh a lot of people don't like them because they're still a little bit bitter, but she just cooks them for 17 hours and it's like, they're fine, apparently, whatever. But yeah, so I'm like, okay, bitterness, that must be a bad thing. Like, why on earth would we eat, you know? And so, went down the rabbit hole of cucumber bitterness. <laughs> Ready? And I don't even know what a bitter cucumber would taste like. I feel like cucumbers are all really? pretty, like, mellow. <gasps> No. Oh, okay. Or maybe that's it's just, really maybe it, maybe it's only because I only Why eat the one kind from the store, like the English cucumbers. Oh, right? okay. There's probably other kinds, yeah, I just like took the it for granted, pickling ones. And everyone the blah, would blah, have blahs. cucumbers, like from the garden. We always had some. <laughs> so, yeah, it's extremely bitter. <laughs> You have a way with words. I'll give you that. Thank you. <laughs> it's not sweet. No, no. Um, it's like this weird bitterness that's like the only thing I can think of is like if you mixed with a weird like if you bit into cardboard mm-hmm. and you were like, get this out of my mouth right now. I don't want this in my mouth. <laughs> it's like grossness. So and it doesn't taste like cucumber. It's just that. Okay. Like just I don't cardboard know. bitter. Okay. What ha- what is bitter? Like I can't think of other bitter flavors. Um like other bitter foods. Hold on, let me Google because right? That's such a funny thing. I can't think of we say bitter. Bitter foods. Well now that it's it's getting to be that we've said bitter too much and it's not I know. anymore. I know. Well, people say Oh, like um cranberries coffee citrus peel but this is a different kind okay and that actually has a it's a specific cucumber bitter but guess what there are different kinds of bitterness Ooh, okay mm-hmm. do tell okay. all right so uh, i looked up the history of cucumbers because i had no idea where they came from you know who like yeah. how far back they went right yeah um wait where's my thing? i love okay, cucumbers because so- they give me pickles and i love pickles <laughs> thanks cucumbers (laughs) oh my gosh the end yeah (laughs) done now my turn (laughs) i know i have to hurry up okay so um i'll just read a quick little thing uh it's generally agreed that cucumbers originated in india and have been under cultivation for at least three thousand years okay it does sound like it goes back further but this is just the general thing that's going around the internet that they're okay. three thousand years old and it's from india okay. uh, the plant was introduced into china and then into the west 
uh, both the Greeks and the Romans knew about the cucumber. And then I read about like, and then it all traveled, but I don't care about going forward. I kind of wanted to go back, right? Yeah. So, but it was kind of funny because apparently the Romans were like obsessed with cucumbers, particularly, oh, who was it? Um, a particular um, leader. Oh, I forgot who it was though, sorry. But yeah, <laughs> he demanded to have them every day. And they no actually way. invented a sort of like, sort of greenhousey kind of system so that they could keep growing them all year long. And I'm no like, way. That's pretty funny. So people that's love their crazy. cucumbers. That's crazy. like really dedicated to the cucumber. Yeah. Cool. And again, those specific facts were just chef's kiss. All right. <laughs> so uh, it's a little side note. I don't know if anyone cares, but I wondered uh, what part of like why cukes can be bitter sometimes because mm -hmm. the ones we grow now, they kind of technically shouldn't be, right? Um, so it depends on how they're grown. It they're stressed, they tend to become bitter. And it's the stem and the leaves that are bitter, but sometimes it will kind of like, the bitterness will seep down into the actual fruit. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, um, that's why like, if you just kind of like bite one end of a bitter cucumber, just flip it over and usually the other end isn't bitter. Ah, cool. Yeah, and Unless it's been in there for a really long time and then it travels all the way? Does it um, ever travel all the way? I mean, probably, yeah, because I've had a completely bitter right. cucumber before. And that's when I cry and just throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing specifically in cucumbers that is bitter, it's called, uh, I had to like, you know, do you ever do this where you Google the pronunciation of words? Yeah, and it doesn't help me. <laughs> it doesn't help you see videos where they oh, say where it. Oh, where they say it? Oh, see, I don't like videos. <laughs> I just do the, like, phonetic when they spell it out. I'm like, that still doesn't yes. make sense I've to me. listened to this, I think, maybe 10 times. Do I remember it? No. But it's like cucurbitacin or bitacin, I think they say. Cucurbitacin. Cool. That's the little uh, bitter compound in there. I'm like, fine. <laughs> okay, I know specific. how to... <laughs> and so I learned about how to not make them bitter, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wonderful. And I was going down the whole history. Okay. I kind of want to skip this because I thought that that would be really important. Like the history of like how we found them. And, but I don't know. I don't want to waste time with that because. <laughs> I'm like on because, the edge of my seat. Wait, I'm still looking. <laughs> Where's my stuff? <laughs> yeah. They're like, what makes cucumbers bitter? And it's just that cucurbitacin. Uh, there's a B and C compound and yeah, it's just like all kind of chemistry stuff. Right. But this is where we get into the thing. So I'm just going to kind of read little chunks again. I don't have the energy to be like writing this all down, making it sound good, whatever. <laughs> Copying so just and pasting deal with me. like I do. <laughs> right. Okay. So this is from Science and Food, UCLA, some, somebody's blog. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to read this blurb first. Bitter tasting substance substances are innately disliked by infants and children, presumably be presumably because most bitter compounds are toxic, right? So mm -hmm. that's what I was mm -hmm. thinking. More like, right. okay, we should avoid it because it's toxic. So what on earth were we doing as humans back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Um, most children are drawn to all things sickeningly sweet, but as adults... We enjoy eating bitter Brussels sprouts and have bitter coffee and that kind of stuff, right? Mm. We learn to enjoy the taste of mildly bitter foods, especially when paired with positive metabolic and pharmacological outcomes. The more your body benefits from an ingested food, the more palatable it becomes. 
So I was like, no way. What? Okay. So it sounds like we eat something and even after like words when like, it makes sense. Like if you eat something and you can violently ill, you're going to avoid that thing. Yeah. And I thought, okay, but apparently your body can recognize, like it'll remember the taste of something, but like it can recognize the positive effects of the food right so That's it's like crazy yeah so taste isn't just about like the flavor on your tongue apparently and i kind of stumbled across somewhere where it said like you might have like taste receptors in other parts of your body like you all do over in your nose place. in your nose you do right That's but why i you mean can taste a smell the word testicle came up and i'm like oh <laughs> what your <laughs> balls like, well, can taste <laughs> <laughs> well it's not like that it's just like kind of like the connection between yeah i don't know it's this whole thing oh that i do not gosh. want to get into because i'm like wow I... that's a, quite the it's complicated hole. yeah yeah but that's so cool though that you can get like that your body learns and will yeah like shift itself almost like your taste buds probably do your taste buds shift to like well, not taste it as bitter? This oh yeah, bit. keep so, going. Sorry. <laughs> um, our bodies require phytonutrients such as flavonoids that cannot be physically separated from their vegetable carriers. Humans learn to tolerate low levels of bitterness in foods as they co-occur with nutrients in plants through a post-digestive reward punishment system. For example, oh. rhubarb contains oxalic acid, um, a substance that in large doses can cause joint pain and fatal kidney stones. The first time a child eats rhubarb, the initial taste response tells the brain that the food is bitter, toxic, and should be avoided. However, yeah. as the body begins to benefit from the essential nutrients in rhubarb without suffering any damage, the rhubarb becomes more and more palatable. Experiments show that rats can very quickly learn associations between tastes and metabolic and physiological consequences, perhaps in a matter of days. These associations oh. occur after only a single trial and are strong enough to resist fading away even after multiple presentations of the food with no physiological consequences. That was a mouthful, but... Whoa! Yeah, right? So it looks like even just after, you know, one taste, and it could be days that you, your body recognizes, oh no, there's a benefit here. And then somehow the food becomes palatable to us wow that's crazy right and i'm thinking like <gasps> our bodies are so smart but think about like the i guess trial and error like because what if one person ate, eats just too much rhubarb and they're puking their guts out or they're dead or whatever what was it <laughs> joint <laughs> pain dead. fatal kidney stones oh god <laughs> and they're like i'm not touching that right yeah. But then some other person's like, well, you know, actually. <laughs> actually, it's fine. I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe it's fine. <laughs> Maybe it's don't like, eat so much. I don't trust that that amount of time, like if days go by. But I also think, though, because anything in small doses, unless something's really lethal, you might get a little bit sick from it, but you're not going to get like crazy like die instantly from everything <laughs> some stuff is so poisonous and that's you know you avoid it you try to spit it out or throw up right away mm -hmm. but the stuff that it's not that strong of a reaction where it's just bitter it's not like it's not gonna make you sick or upset like upset your system or anything like that right it's just but like a little dose of it 
It's like, you know how people can get worth it? (laughs) But you know how people can get used to, like, poisons and stuff, right? Like, remember Princess Bride, right? Like, he worked up a tolerance to it. So if we can do that with something that's a poison that will kill somebody instantly, (laughs) the idea is, like, you can do it with something. But just so you can eat a cucumber? Yeah, because their health benefits are phenomenal. Are they, though? are you going to get that water in your system? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was going to Google the nutrient, the nutrition thing. They are nutritious, I think. Question mark? Well, I think, like, the skin is probably, like, fiber It has all of it, yeah. Right? And that's where a lot of the bitterness is, too. Yeah. That's so crazy, though. Also, What are the benefits of eating cucumbers? Oh, it's high in nutrients, antioxidants, (laughs) promotes hydration, may lower blood sugar, it could promote regularity. Oh, so it's like great. (laughs) Poisoning you and your... But I'm regular. (laughs) Metamucil, (laughs) did it again. Um, Okay. Just a funny side note before you Mm -hmm. continue. Um, So I grew up, like lived on a farm for the first few years of my life. and And you never had farm cucumbers? Yeah, we did. I just don't remember having like bitter cucumbers. Uh, Maybe okay. our cucumbers don't. are better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. There was a drought this year. <laughs> uh, um, but the, one of my all-time favorite pictures of me and my brother and my sister is us sitting there. I've got, I must have been maybe like two or something. I've got dirt all over my face. I <laughs> I'm oh I'm not holding a puppy, but both my brother and my sister are like holding these little puppies in one <laughs> you arm. You weren't allowed to hold animals. That'll be another story for another time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was obsessed. I'm just squeezing them to death practically. Um I was so cute. Anyway, we're all <laughs> sitting there with like a huge piece of rhubarb each, but it's not like red rhubarb. It was very green which is like (laughs) the most sour bitter but we're happily sitting there obviously just chomping away on this like (laughs) green rhubarb like what the heck was happening here like how did my mama allow this to happen why did we can like let it happen this is crazy so we must have conditioned ourselves pretty early in life true but sourness is enjoyable in a weird like because i love sour candy it's just like yeah lethal yeah what is that that's your next uh, one to do yeah i know right right down but um (laughs) yeah but bitterness is vile like there's no thrill in like can i overcome the sourness no (laughs) it's right get this bitter thing the heck away from me it's just vile (laughs) but anyway rhubarb you guys didn't dip it in sugar no not then i mean we have it, it like other times <laughs> but so snooty we... about it <laughs> no no Ew. <laughs> what kind of self-respecting farm kid would dip <laughs> something in sugar first <laughs> Look, we weren't allowed city to have folk sugar dipped everything in sugar that was probably a or treat mayonnaise. for us carrots and mayo that was our big <laughs> oh my god mayonnaise dip. we dipped we never dipped carrots in mayonnaise it's really surprisingly good. we just dipped all the bad stuff in mayonnaise because we're dutch <laughs> So like chips, fries, anything else, I any potato product, we would put mayonnaise. Smart. We did chips and ketchup. Yeah, that's weird. We did chips. What in, do you mean that's weird? If you do ripple chips in mayo, it's the best thing you've ever had. I believe it. Okay. But good. ripple chips and ketchup is pretty good. All right. Mm, I'm not convinced. No. You eat ketchup chips, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I like my ketchup okay. to be more fake than that. How dare you? <laughs> you and your fake mac and cheese, your fake ketchup, fine. <laughs> <laughs> your sweet cucumbers. Sweet, sweet cucumbers. <laughs> okay. So um, I was like, okay, let's go down the bitterness rabbit hole here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's a rabbit hole, apparently. Just yeah. reading is a rabbit hole. In the early 1990s, <laughs> researchers used... Uh, bitter probes to identify individuals who experience all tastes more intensely. Um, what the hell am I reading here? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so blah, blah, whatever, not important. More recently, we have learned humans have 25 different bitter taste genes. What? And seems each one is tuned to pick up a different group of chemicals. No right? way. What? So... That little, that cucur, bitacin or whatever, or bitacin. I mean, <laughs> it might be part of a, spe- right? It could have been like this very specific thing that our body was like, okay, this bitterness, like from mushrooms, that's a no-no. And we never evolved, like, right? Like we're not going to yeah. train ourselves to eat poisonous mushrooms. <laughs> 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 so I was we? like, okay. So it says, um, it turns out that different bitter foods act through different receptors and people can be high or low responders for one, but not another. Thus, you may despise grapefruit, but have no problem with black coffee. So bitterness just got I hate grapefruit. so... Com- what you do? Yeah. Oh it's do we so even know each other? <laughs> Who are you? I know. But I can drink black <laughs> coffee if I want to. I had to train myself, though, to Me do too. it without sugar. Um, it's how we perce- perceive the taste of bitter foods and whether we like or dislike them, at least initially, depends on which versions of taste receptor genes a person has. So, and it says those genes affect dietary choices, such as whether we eat no vegetables, drink alcoholic beverages, enjoy citrus foods, and blah, blah, blah. Whoa. So some people can taste bitter things that other people can't. And that led me to this whole... Um, study that was done they actually went to africa it was a whole complicated thing they had to bring like they said it was a lot of work i don't know who the researchers were they just taunted Research. a bunch of like starving african people with bitter food Here, try this. <laughs> no. <laughs> kind of. no they weren't starving but yeah they realized that like geographically they were just kind of all over the place and it didn't really matter where the people were they just all had different kind of like reactions to bitter food so i was like well that doesn't help me because if it's not like a region right like you'd think if in a certain part like a certain group of people if that you can trace them back genetically right to like east africa or whatever you know you think well so how are i still i'm not satisfied in figuring out well, like how did ancient humans decide Yes, let's eat cucumbers. They're good for us. <laughs> it's like, I just but I think don't. that, like, if... <laughs> but even, like, if there was somebody who's, like, it's super bitter. Mm-hmm. And I can't eat this. Fine. Yeah. But then somebody else would... Because their they're bitterness taste buds or whatever, all those 25 things... True, but it's not like they were all... Or less. It's just, you know, maybe it's just my concept of ancient, like, people... Like, really, I mean, like, super, super, like, back in the day, I just assumed there'd be, like, you know, a spokesperson in a way. <laughs> or just a few people who would decide, okay, let's grow this. Like, kind of the leaders of the group. Right. It doesn't but seem maybe, like it'd just be random foraging. But it could be, like, 
that there was somebody because you know now even with farmers where they're like oh I'm gonna plant a bit of this and a bit of that but my main crop is gonna be this big thing right so they kind of keep some stuff going right but I mean if you look at that Roman emperor guy like that mm-hmm. could have been a huge turning point in the popularity of cucumbers if he was so obsessed yeah. with it and they start they were like hey we can make a ton of money because the emperor wants <laughs> it and everybody all the cool people that's true they want to be like him or whatever it's like a trendy thing so then they start right. growing a bunch of it and some probably kept growing it and it became that popularized in that way it's just the the beginning stages of it yeah where how could we get past this is bitter this is but because it, not Dangerous. all of them are bitter. It would be the one-off ones. And they're like, okay, this right, one but is are bitter. They? And I couldn't find anything oh. about that where it's like, I mean, I think someone mentioned like that the original cucumbers probably were bitter. Right. But it wasn't anything, didn't seem like a conclusive, you know, statement. Maybe so they like, learned oh. that they, if they took the peel off, the inside wasn't bitter at some point like maybe there was some kind mm-hmm. of thing where they were literally starving and they're like okay this isn't is kind of gross but it's not going to kill us and right. then they ended up getting more used to it could right? be yeah in certain I mean, regions and then as those people start traveling rolling displacement then true. they start traveling and they're like hey this is a little bit bitter to be it's kind of gross but it's going to be really good later yeah <laughs> I mean, because the, the ones now, like, they're completely different from the original, right? So we cultivated them to be bigger. And that's the thing, too. They're much bigger, huge now. And back then, they were probably just, like, small. And just if they were bitter, they were ones? probably just bitter. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Do you think so? Is that how they started? Just little pickle ones? And then we, like... Yeah. We ha- yeah it was written down somewhere. We... We did cultivate them, so they were nice and big and juicy. Wow. It's like melon. It's like any kind of, it's like, like most, I think, fruits and veggies. They all start pretty darn tiny. And wow. then we just alter them because we're like, this is good. Let's make a giant watermelon. Anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, humans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen to this. So I found on NPR an article uh, says, why can we taste bitter flavors? Turns out it's still a mystery. I'm like, wait, what? Okay, listen to this. I'm just reading the internet to you. Okay. It's short. I'm About a million years ago, a million years ago, one tiny change in DNA gave our ancestors the ability to perceive a bitter compound common in olives, nuts, and seeds. Scientists reported in molecular biology evolution. Anyway, that means the bitter tasting mutation was present long before modern humans existed. And it stuck around as we evolved in Africa about 200,000 years ago. But here's the twist. The mutation probably didn't arise and persist for the reason that most of us think. People in the past have thought that bitter taste perception may have evolved for avoiding toxic substances. If you're a hunter-gatherer, you don't want to eat a poisonous plant. A bitter taste tells you immediately to avoid it. Right? It's like, okay. And um, where is this thing? Oh, yeah. So she said, so she's saying we don't actually quite know why it evolved yet. Um, In Africa, she found that people's ability to detect bitter tastes varied by geography, but it had nothing to do with what they ate or how they got their food. So if bitter sensing didn't help our ancestors avoid poisonous plants, why have the genes stuck around for so long? No one is really sure yet. This was in 2013. I'm not sure if there's more. more, um, Right, something more recent research Mm -hmm. on it. 
These genes yeah. could be detecting a compound we don't know anything about, she says, or they could be performing a task that's completely unrelated to taste altogether. Um, in the past few years, scientists have started to realize that bitter taste receptors are all over the body. These receptors have turned up in cells in the gut, lungs, and even the testes. There's that fact. <laughs> <laughs> so the receptors are not only altering how we perceive food, but prob probably also our physiology in ways we have no idea about. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. <gasps> And so, like, the first things for bitterness was, like, nuts and olives and Olives stuff. and, yeah. So stuff and... that's, like, high in, like, like oils, like, high in fats. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. But then I was going, I looked, there's a very kind of, um, like, specific study with, like, all these kinds of, you know, the jargon, technical words and everything. But this little blurb stood out for me. Um, so, again, they were looking at this bitterness and the specific gene called TAS2R16. Uh, the current work examines the related gene, that one, which codes for uh, a molecular receptor that binds salicin. Salicin is a chemical found naturally in willow bark, the source of aspirin. It acts as an uh. anti-inflammatory, but in large doses can be toxic. It is also found in many nuts, fruits, and vegetables. So, it sounds like all these, like, remember how they were saying they were, like, the different genes? Yeah. So, and that they might, uh, I don't know what the word is, but like, you know, it's almost like our body, like bitterness sounds like it has a huge part in like what kinds of foods we, we go for. Like if something has aspirin-like qualities, anti-inflammatory stuff, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I still don't know <laughs> what the benefit really of cucumbers would be <laughs> over you know like an crazy, apple. <laughs> You know what it could be, though, is that, like, it it's possible that it has nothing to do with us, with the human mm. part. Maybe it has more to do with the plant. Because acacia trees uh -huh. in Africa um, are the trees that giraffes love eating. And if a giraffe <laughs> could just stand there and just eat the entire tree, it would just, it would do that. But they give off, after a certain period of time, and when they know that a giraffe is eating their leaves... Yeah. After a certain period of time, that tree starts giving off like a bitterness and giving off a different thing. And it also gives off pheromones to warn the other trees that are downwind from that tree that that yeah. to start producing that thing that makes it a bit bitter in I order to protect it so that they're not completely that, eaten. Right. Yeah. Right. So I wonder if that's a bit more like maybe it if they can't figure out what purpose it serves from the human side maybe it's because it serves a per it doesn't serve a purpose for us but it serves a purpose for the plants and yeah maybe it doesn't have anything to do with us but it has to do more with the plants and yeah. like what they need and nature right like keeping the balance there yeah they would be full of seeds too maybe they were just kind of like human <laughs> spread the seeds around please kind of like right <laughs> yeah hmm, okay anyway i'm done that's it. <laughs> okay. I mean, what did you want? <laughs> that was awesome. I feel like I'm like mentally going down a rabbit hole right now where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right? crazy. I can't believe that they don't know. And I love that I don't have answers. There. And I never will. Well, who cares? Who, who, nobody has answers. This expert anything. comes along. No, oh, I know the answer. Shh, sir. <laughs> no, you sit over there. Be quiet. Yeah, put a pillow over his face. 
nothing. You have no answers. All right. I'm excited. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So I don't really know how this came about. Oh, I guess I was chatting with a friend of mine and asking her, like, hey, I'm doing this podcast. Like, what are some things that you would want to know about, like, the beginnings of something, where it started, why it came about, all those kinds of things? Yeah. And she didn't really know, but she was kind of like, we just kind of started talking, and she was like, probably a lot of sports terminology would be, because <laughs> uh, so much of it doesn't make any sense, and we don't know where it came <laughs> from. And so the biggest one for me, I think, that has always kind of bothered me, and I never bothered to look it up before, even though it's pretty straightforward and kind of makes sense, is why in North America and a few other countries we call it soccer and everywhere else they call it football. Oh, yeah. It's always bothered me so much because it's, you, you don't know what to call it, right? Like, <laughs> And it was funny because going to South Africa, so my husband Greg is from South Africa, and uh, when I was there, I, I kind of asked him, I was like, do you guys call it football or do you call it soccer? And there they actually call it soccer, which is kind of weird. Because really? They, yeah, the British oh. had a major... Um, influence there so it's kind of weird that they don't call it football it's a little odd i don't know and they don't really has a like sticking it to the brits like just maybe i don't think they've put that much thought into it though (laughs) (laughs) not to be down on south africans i just (laughs) well i guess i can look that up i don't know um wait can i just sorry uh i have to just say it's it drives me insane that your husband's name is greg because since I saw kids in the hall. Gregory is one of my joke names. <laughs> it's still my joke name. Right? Gregory. <laughs> Greg. Good. Like, it was one of my favorite sketches of kids <laughs> in the hall where they condensed the name Greg. And it's just like, I can't. Anyway, but now you may continue. It's funny because it was a name that was like, I don't, I don't know any other Gregs. And so for a long time, I don't know, it was a weird, it was hard to get his name like stuck in my head because it was such a non-name in my universe. It was weird. Anyway, that's a, a story for a whole different podcast. <laughs> whole, whole podcast? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, exactly. The story of Greg. It's just silence the entire time. <laughs> cricket, cricket. <laughs> okay, so for the information here, <clears throat> I got most of the information off of Britannica.com and the Huffington nice. Post because they had some. There's tons of articles about this. I mean, it's pretty straight. A pretty straightforward. Um, history oh I was gonna kind of start looking into the history of soccer itself Mm -hmm. and I went down that rabbit hole for about (laughs) five minutes and then I was like whoa this is like it's too much there are so many variations of a game like soccer that started all over the world at different places like you've got the Mayans that were doing stuff you've got like all these different kinds of things and it just it was too much so I'm like I'm just gonna stick to why do we call it soccer right um, so, so football or soccer originated in England, the actual official, like the game as we know it today. Okay. Um, and we often assume that the word soccer is like came from America, that it was created in North America, but the word is actually British in origin. What? I know. Um, so why in North America and a few other places around the world do we call it soccer? So, in 1863, England, um, they formed 
uh, Football Association. And that was when they first wrote down the set of rules for the game that we know as soccer, football, now. So that's largely, even though there were variations of the game that existed like throughout history, that was when everybody says it began now because they actually wrote down the rules right. for it. Okay. So that's the official beginning. Um, at the time, it wasn't the only game Wait, of its kind. do you hmm. think other countries that were also playing soccer mm -hmm. just resented the fact that because the Brits were like, we wrote down the rules, so this is how it's going to be. Like, what if they don't, right? That's a whole interesting thing. It's, it is a whole interesting thing. I don't know other information about it, but I'm sure it's probably that thing of like, there's probably some guy sitting around being like, ah, oh, like they were just a bit too lazy or procrastinated a bit too much. And they're like, but I play that game. Damn it. But as you will learn, everybody kind of had, there are places that had their own versions of football and oh, they kind of created okay. their own little things. So like, um, like Aussie rules football. Like in Australia, oh. they've got their own kind of thing. Oh, okay, so they didn't just like bend over backwards and just accept. Yeah, but generally now, the the game that we know as soccer, pure soccer now, mm -hmm. is based on these um, rules that were right. put in place by the Football Association okay. in 1863 in England. Okay. Um, so at the time, it wasn't the only game of its kind. There was also rugby football, which was similar mm -hmm. but varied in some major ways. Um, the game played under the Football Association's rules became known as Association Football. Hmm. So there, the students at the University of Oxford in the 1880s, they distinguished between the sports of rugger, which was rugby football, mm -hmm. and a soccer. So like hmm. ass, <laughs> O-Z-C-E-R, A-S-S-O-C-C-E-R which was Association Football, which uh. was further shortened to soccer, and the name quickly spread beyond the campus. Wait, let's say that again slower, because this is okay. cool. So, well, I'll explain the next sentence, and then I'll go back and kind of say okay. it again. So, okay. Oxford University, there is a linguistic phenomenon known there that happened in the 1880s at this time that was known as the Oxford ER, like the Oxford-er. So students okay. from Oxford University used to add the colloquial suffix er, er, to shorten words. They did it so it would be easier and quicker to pronounce them. And it's actually like a thing that they did with quite a few words. And I looked, I kind of went down that ra rabbit hole too <laughs> of what that, if that even was a term or they were just kind of you know, saying yeah. it or whatever, but there's all these ones and they're like, some words aren't considered part of this Oxford ER thing and others, that's where it originated from. What? So soccer is one of those. Okay, so I'll go back and kind of repeat what I said before. So rugby football became known as rugger, which now is what we know as rugby, but they called it rugger. And then association football, which is what we know as soccer and what they now know, just call it football there, was association football, was a soccer. So it was but, soccer, but with an A-S in the front of it. So association was was shortened, but they made it a so hard... So that explains the A-S... Yeah. S, like the O, like up to C. Oh! So oh. it's weird because... So it's association... 
it's Which association made shorter, but they changed the like the soft C into a hard C. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. But some people even (gasps) spelled it back then. Some people even spelled soccer with S-O-C-K-E-R. Oh. To make sure that it was differentiated, that it should be a hard C. Like they were adamant about it has to be a hard C. (laughs) Really? Okay, people, that's not. But that's where the word itself started from. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? That is so cool. And stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Like so basic, right? Yeah. Um, okay, but soccer never became more than a nickname in Great Britain. It was just, they always called it football or association football, um, and some people would call it soccer. Hmm. By the 20th century, rugby football was more commonly just called rugby, while association football had earned the right to be known as just plain football. So you're differentiating between the two there. So you've got football now and you've got rugby as the two separate games. Right. So I was like, okay, that's really cool. That's like where the term originated. But now why did we end up keeping it in North America? But in Britain, it just was, they go by football and most other places go by football. Because I mean, it it makes sense. You use your foot to play the game (laughs) and kick a ball. (laughs) Um, So in the late 19th century... A, sm- a sport emerged. Wait, before you say it, uh-huh. my guess is that they're going to be like, you know, when kids have clubs or some, or like there's like the the fandom, uh-huh. those like where people are like, this is really what it's called, or this is like the true way to pronounce something, mm. or to like, you know, it's kind of like, I my guess is that it's a sort of like, I know what I'm talking about. This is like, I was there when I, <laughs> like, you know, kind of uh-huh. cool kid terminology. <laughs> anyway. Go on. I think that's what it, how it's ended up being, but that's not how it started. Okay. So, in the late 19th century, a sport emerged in the U.S. that borrowed elements of both rugby and association football, and it became more popular than both of those sports and was known as gridiron football. Mm-hmm. So, like, the NFL, National Football League, American football, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people didn't bother putting the gridiron in front of it. Also, because that's a stupid name. And I that, I was going to write down, I'm like, that's what I also want to look up. Like, why is it called gridiron football? <laughs> and I remember when I very first saw it written down, it, I read it as like gridiron. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what is happening? It seems like such a hard to pronounce word. I'm like, it's gridiron. <laughs> I remember being very confused when I first saw it. I was like, I am out of my element here. Oh my gosh, I love so it. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so most people didn't bother putting that gridiron in front of it, so it became known only as football. And as a result, American Association football players increasingly adopted the word soccer to refer to their sport. What is happening? Oh my god, sorry. <laughs> A lot of noise happening around here. <laughs> They're playing something. a soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Gridiron soccer. Grid- no, what did you say? Gridiron soccer. Gridiron. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, continue. Um, yeah, so basically just because football, gridiron football was so popular and it was kind of like coming about at the same time that 
soccer was was like coming about in the United States they just went with because people were using the term soccer as like a nickname so they were like well let's just use soccer more often to differentiate it completely from this other game football that's so popular hmm so the United States Football Association which had a, had formed in the 1910s changed its name to the United States Soccer Football Association in 1945 oh, okay. and later it took out the word football altogether so okay. you can kind of see like the evolution as like gridiron football became more popular they were like oh no we need to put soccer in here so people know the difference and then eventually they took the football association like the football oh, term okay. out of it entirely and it became just the soccer association um huh. and soccer tends to be the name that's used in countries that have competing forms of football so in canada we've got our oh. football like the cfl canadian football league like our own type of football ireland has gaelic football i don't know what the hell that is like <laughs> but <laughs> i was gonna say something <laughs> like <laughs> I, I'm, your prejudice yeah. is showing <laughs> no it really is <laughs> <laughs> I love Irish people. They're great. Um, <laughs> and Australia has like Aussie rules football. So in those places, they tend to call it soccer more more than football because they've got a football, a, another football game that they're playing that's very popular. Huh. So by the 1980s, the British stopped using the term soccer seemingly because it had become too American. <laughs> What? And, and this, like, this decline in them using that term coincided with the increased usage and the popularity of the sport in the U.S. by 1980. So the North American Soccer League was at its high point at nine, in 1980, and that directly corresponded with the British not using that term at all anymore. Because they're like, no, they see it as almost a derogatory term now. Oh, my gosh. It's but, like the the use of the word soccer is a real sticking point with the British. Like when I was looking up stuff, like researching this, a bunch of stuff came up of people, British people who were either sports commentators or pe or just fans leaving messages messages or whatever in places. Yeah. They were so derogatory. Wait, okay, towards hold on. American soccer. But they're. It started just, like, because they wanted to preserve this, right? Like, the original. They wanted to differentiate. Like, they wanted to make sure that yeah. people recognized soccer for what it was, right? And it seems like... What? <laughs> it seems well, odd because, that they would turn against it. But it's because it's so... It goes back to, like, the British-American kind of rivalry in that sense, I think. And that's where, when you were talking about earlier, how... Oh, it's like more like an exclusive club. Like you're not doing it properly if it's not called this or whatever. Yeah. I think that's what it's become in England because they are very proud of the fact that they created that game, that it started there, that it originated there. But they there. also started soccer, like the name, the word but, came from them. But they're very much like, I think they're very protective of it and very much like, well, no, if you call it soccer, you, you're not really doing it properly. It's more just a, it's it's an excuse to be mad at America, I think, That's generally. so funny and stupid. 
in I a way. I kind of get it. Like I, but I do think like it, that's part of why I wanted to look it up because I was like, is it really bad that we call it soccer? Like, does it make us less than or you know like stupid? Yeah, even though it's just yeah. a a game right like who oh cares? yeah but it I think it leads to all those other thoughts of you know oh we're not playing it right or we're not as legitimate or we're not as you know and lay people know that it's like a you know sticking point like I know um as in like people who aren't actually like British or in the actual industry yeah. or whatever it's like because my brother-in-law he if I say soccer he'll like rib me be like oh it's football right <laughs> like, because he's a fan yeah. Right, so he likes teams. But he then... plays soccer. Oh no, he does. Soccer, and he coaches it. it. Yeah. yeah, but he. Yeah. Um, it's just funny. Like he does call it. He just calls it soccer too. Yeah, but he doesn't do it. But he just knows enough that it is a joke, right? That's what right. I mean. But I think yeah. like that's interesting because like going when I travel and you go to places and you know you're not supposed to, you know you're not supposed to call it soccer. <laughs> in a way like but all my cousins just, in holland now i'm they even play... more angry because i it sounds like no it's originally oxford people came up with it because it was slang. one of the first names for it that's one of the first yeah, names for soccer because at that time they so had cute. to differentiate still so it, it was started at the very beginning right I was just so shocked that it was created Wait, sorry, by them. Can you remind me what they were differentiating a so- a between so- rugby a football, rugby right. football, and association football? Right. So now rugby is its own thing completely. Like it's its own. So they were like, it's not okay, even so now considered let's just football. Call this football. So. Exactly. Yeah. But then the rugby people. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call it rugby football. They just call it rugby. No, I know. But yeah. I don't know. But isn't that crazy? I thought it was insane when I first looked it up where I was like, the British created this and it was the one of the first like kind of things that it was called in a way. And they're so hard on North Americans for calling it soccer. But it's this you guys came up with that term. Right. You can't get mad at us for it now. I know. And it's almost like but it's, we're the cool ones and the right ones because that was right. <laughs> but it's almost that thing. It is almost that thing of like, you know, when someone makes makes fun of your family member or something or your friend or whatever, you're like, no, only I'm allowed to say that. Like, only I'm allowed to because I'm so close to it. Right. Only we're allowed to have this oh, okay. nickname yeah, yeah. You're right. and this yeah. like special thing or even with nicknames, like terms right. of endearment, like, ooh, we don't know you well enough to for you to be calling it that. You know, but the people like that who kind of thing. Went to the states and brought the sport over. We're British too, so it's kind of like... yeah. Oh, but that's why it's so stupid because people are just <laughs> stupid and like we're just you know like we're just stupid. We're just stupid. So everyone, get over yourselves. <laughs> Go eat a bitter cucumber. Yeah, and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's mine. Mine was like kind of short and sweet I this time, but I just thought it was so crazy. It. Oh my gosh, mind blown! Now I'm even more angry, Why? and now I don't know which. No, because I don't know which um term I want to use: <laughs> soccer <laughs> or football. Right? I think we should just go back and say like association football. Just say the whole thing. Yeah. You know, just bring it back to its roots. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Go tell go tell your brother-in-law. All right. I'm going to tell every. I'm going to start a campaign to get soccer, to get soccer like 
what am I trying to say? What's the <laughs> Wait. To, we... to reduce the st- stigma of using the term soccer? No, I just, I like your idea. The association mm. soccer. I okay. love it so much. But, okay, yeah, now you've really, like, I'm just going to be stewing about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> what are you so angry about? Who cares? Because. <laughs> because what? <laughs> I love soccer and I always wanted to call it football because I thought football. that's what I should call it because I'm of European descent and right I, you know because there are those connotations with it that you're more Canada. legitimate if you call it football yes right but now there is a stigma do I want to be <laughs> complete like poser and be like oh I'm gonna call it soccer because that's how it started <laughs> No, I think all that this means is just that you can, like, sass people who are like, mm, actually, it's football, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can just be like, actually, did you who know? Who am I talking to? Yeah, I know, right? Did you know that the British were the ones that first called it soccer? And you can tell them the whole spiel. But that doesn't solve and by my the time problem you're of done, which word I bored. want to use. Well, nobody can solve that problem except you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Uh, right. That was great. I learned okay, well, a lot today. That was you, awesome. Are you yeah. going to go eat a, a bitter cucumber? You're going to go eat a bitter cucumber. I'm going to go. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go play some soccer. Okay. I'm, I'm going to. Some association football. Do over this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys See next week. Bye. <laughs>